Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Zero Pucks Given, brought to you by Star Market and Y Snacks. I am Ty Anderson, joined as always by Dale Arnold. Dale, how are we doing? I'm fine, thank you. You sounded very radio-like and efficient there. Are you trying to get a gig on Dale and Keith? Twitter wants that. And oh, I'm... stop with Twitter wants that. What, what a listen. horseshit way to say that. Listen, listen. Like you are begging your followers to say something about it. Well, Come on. Not begging per se. Uh, it's sort of begging. Encouraging. Encouraging is a way. I got asked straight up on it by Gilroy the other day if I wanted it. And I was like, hell yeah, I want it. Why wouldn't I? Yes, exactly. I'm right. a 26-year-old uh, here who would like to make his mark. So, Good. And then it, why don't you just come and ask me? Okay. Oh, is that simple? All right, let's go. Okay. Right, bye, everyone. Uh, no, but why wouldn't I? That's a great spot. You're a great, you're a great guy. Rich is a great guy. Anyone who doesn't want that is a dummy, in my opinion. So, so here we are. Well, there you go. So, been a while since we talked in terms of yeah, what's happened. We had things happen last week, and the storm on Friday sort of messed things up as well. Um, so, you know, before we get into the whole depth of the team and guys going down and all that stuff, I, I wanted for at least a couple of minutes to talk about uh, sports talk radio. And this kind of, in a way, includes both of the sports talk stations in Boston uh, because... Combined between the two, if you combined all of the bodies in one, I think you'd have a grand total of about two people who can and want to talk about hockey. Yeah. And I'm one whole one, and you got a couple of half ones. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and unfortunately, that is a fact of life. And I'm listening to our radio station on the weekend, and I'm listening to Chris Villani and Rob Bradford. And, and Rob Bradford whining about the fact that people want to talk about the Bruins and bitching and moaning because he wants to talk about the Celtics and the Red Sox and apparently nothing else. God almighty, I get frustrated sometimes in this town. Now, there are people who don't like hockey. Got no issues with that. I'm not trying to sell them on the sport. I'm not trying to convince people to watch the sport or, or watch it on Nesson or listen on radio or, or talk about it on, on sports talk radio. But could sports talk show hosts give half a damn about the possibility that there are people who want to? That there, are, there is a rabid fan base in the city of Boston that's interested in the hockey team, especially this year when the hockey team's really good. And it, it, for some reason, it just, it just grates their nerves that there are people who kind of would like to talk about the Bruins now and then. And you know what it is, a big part of it, I'm convinced of this. They don't know if a puck is stuffed or puffed. I mean, they have no idea about the game. And I include almost everybody on this radio station and almost everybody on that radio station. They don't know shit about the game of hockey. Oh, God, no. And it's way too hard to, like, learn 
So uh, nobody wants to talk about it anyway. Well, you know what it is? It's that it's it is the fourth option for these guys. They start watching. Oh no, hockey. it's like the fifth or sixth option. Yeah, for you got a national them. NBA game and a national baseball game before they'll pay attention to the Bruins, and, and that's the thing I think because these people they they come into with a very barely passable knowledge of the game. Not they can't talk about it for more than an hour, so they don't want to because then they're going to look like dummies. I think that's a, that's a real thing that that happens with this market, and you know it's sad because I think that. This is not a team that's an eight seed. This is not a team that's a seven seed. This team has a legit chance at being in the fourth round of the, of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and that that is something that you don't want to be late to that party because then you're going to. Oh look no, like they're going to be, and that's the problem. You go back to 2011 when uh, previous management at this radio station, in their infinite wisdom, took the one person on the air here at WEEI who could talk about hockey and fired him. That would yeah. be me, uh, and and fired me about the first of March, thereabouts. Uh, brought in people who claimed they could talk about hockey but couldn't. And to their credit, the folks across the street saw an opportunity, seized it, and wrote a Bruins-Stanley Cup championship to a huge ratings win. I'm sitting watching the Bruins clinch the Stanley Cup in, the, uh, in, in Tropicana Field in Tampa. I'm calling a Tampa Bay Rays-Boston Red Sox game on June 15th. I'm I'm watching the greatest one hitter in the history of baseball that nobody knows about, and and you know it didn't matter. I didn't even know that that happened. Uh, no, nobody does. And and I watched the whole thing there. Rushed back to the hotel. Stood in a lobby bar with the entire Boston Red Sox roster, watching the Bruins clinch the cup, and the whole Red Sox roster going nuts, screaming and yelling and jumping up and down. But the folks across the street, I give them credit. They took advantage of the opportunity. They knew nobody here was going to talk about the sport. Hey, we'll talk about it. We'll give Bruins fans a safe landing spot. And, oh, by the way, the Bruins go on and win the Stanley Cup, so that's all anybody wanted to talk about. By the time the people at this station said, wow, that team's pretty good. People want to talk about them. Bruins fans said, screw you. You didn't want to talk about them before. I'm going to talk about them with you now? We still wrestle that. We yes. Still, we still do. I think that's a big thing that, that stepping in here, I've I've – I get that. Anytime we record an episode, anytime I'm on the Sunday skate, whenever that is, you know, people say, "Well, you know, it sucks that you're on that you're on this station because this station doesn't give it give a shit about hockey." And it's like, "Well, listen, let's try to change that dialogue." You know, and, and we can do this. We can do this till we're blue in the face. But you know, so and so driving to work in their car, they're not going to hear it because they're not as in tune with with the podcasting world as as you and I and everyone else out there listening to this right now. So. It's a real thing. I want us to be in on this party. I think it's a huge thing because this team is fun. They're exciting. They're legit. And I think that if they have a much better chance of winning the Stanley Cup championship than the Celtics have of winning the NBA championship. Oh, absolutely. Not because the Bruins are dramatically better than the Celtics. Celtics are really, really good. There is no Golden State Warriors in the NHL. Absolutely. You know, Tampa Bay is terrific. Golden State's terrific. Uh, Nashville is terrific. And the Bruins are right there with them. And and so the Bruins have a better shot at the end of this, whatever run it is, of hoisting a championship than the Celtics do. And if that happens, once again, folks at this radio station are going to be left sticking their thumbs up their butts trying to figure out, well, yeah, we're the place to talk about the Bruins, but Bruins fans won't buy it. Yeah, and that's a real thing. And I could see the Celtics being knocked out in Toronto by round in, in round two or round three, whenever the case I may be. I hope not. I really do. It, no, it, it, it is not a binary choice for me. I want them yeah. both to win the title. I that's, mean, it'd that's be a mistake great. people make. They tend to think that you're either Bruins or Celtics. But no, no. I, want, I want everyone to do well. It's, 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 it's good for, for business. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's you know, it's good for business if if teams do well around here. I, I know the the narrative 
mainly spun by Rick Pitino and others is, you know, sports talk radio is only successful when people have stuff to bitch about. Look at the numbers when teams win titles. Look at sports talk ratings numbers in the aftermath of championships. Trust me, it would, it would be great for this radio station if both those teams could win. Both. I'm not sitting here rooting against the Celtics because I'm a hockey guy or, or anything like that. I want them both to win. I'm just saying legitimately and realistically, in my opinion, one has a better chance of hoisting their championship at the end of the year. And I think because there is no Golden State Warriors in the NHL, I think that's the Bruins. I would agree. And asking you now here, Zero Pucks Given, presented by Star Market and Wise Snacks, do the Bruins have an even better chance of that now after seeing Rick Nash and how he's fitting in with this team? Tell me about the health of some other guys first. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I believe Patrice Bergeron will be back. I don't think it'll be two weeks. That's the narrative out there. Oh, well, he'll be back in two weeks. No, what they said was they were going to look at him again in two weeks. He will not have skated in those two weeks. Because of this particular injury, he can't skate. If he had a bad wrist or a bum thumb, he could be out there skating every single day and, and could be ready to jump in quicker. They're going to look at him in two weeks, and let's say for the sake of our argument that they say, okay, you're, you're good to go. Well, then it's a, at least another week of skating, if not more. And frankly, I'll be surprised if after just two weeks they say, okay, you're ready to go. I think it might be closer to three or four weeks. I kind of love it. I don't, I don't love it. I understand. I read your piece, and I understand your premise, uh, I, and, and, and I understand that their playoff position is, is practically secured, so you're not sitting here like you were the last couple of years, you know, needing every single win of the month of March. Day. Sweating every game. <laughs> but I don't mind Patrice Bergeron getting a rest. I don't want it to be a four- or five-week rest. Uh, I think that hurts him, and I think it, it ends up hurting the team. Now, you get a terrific player ultimately back in the playoffs, but it, I think it's tough to bounce back from that, t- that amount of time off the ice. Yeah, it's one of those things where I, I wrote that, and I don't want him shut down for the rest of the regular season because, I, speaking to your point, you need that conditioning back for sure. when he's playing 25 minutes a night probably in the postseason, depending on what overtime games and what have you, especially matchups can dictate that if you're talking about Austin Matthews or Steven Stamkos in round one or two. So that's a big part of it, I would say. You know, I, I do think, though, that there's something to be said for you know, you find out what you have here with Riley Nash. You find out what, what matchups you can and can, can't get away with in terms of his line matching. You have a lot of games against Tampa Bay coming up here. It would be great to find out who, you know, if they can find another line that matches up against somebody else pretty well and you go from there. So, you know, I, I like it for that reason, but I'm with you in the sense that he needs to be back, and I think McAvoy is another one. Well, as we take terrifying. this, uh, Bruce Cassidy just said um, an hour or so ago that McAvoy is being evaluated this afternoon. That makes me nervous to begin with. Absolutely. He got hurt Saturday. We're not evaluating him until Monday. Um, he absolutely will not play Tuesday night against Detroit, obviously. Uh, and, and my concern here is uh, supposedly got, guys who are covering the team saw him down at, at Warrior with a knee brace on. Well, now what are we dealing with here? Yeah. And, and you know, what's the time frame here? And I know you've got depth, and I understand that. He's your second-best defenseman. And that hurts. Last year in the playoffs, they lost their top four defensemen. Think about that for a minute. They were playing their 10th defenseman in, in game six against Ottawa. You've seen Tommy Cross out there. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I, I, I'm not sitting here being the harbinger of doom. I don't know what's going on with McAvoy. They're real secretive over there, and I understand that. Uh, but tell me, tell me what his shape is, and I'll tell you how excited I am. Rask won't play tomorrow night either. That's the Detroit game as we, as we tape this. Uh, it is described as a very minor injury. He was going to play Saturday. 
and he talked to to Bruce Cassidy earlier in the day and evidently had been nursing some minor thing. They describe it as minor. And Cassidy made the call to play Anton Hudobin instead of Tuca. Uh, he's been off the ice for three days here. Um, they've already said he won't play tomorrow night. So, you know, the earliest would be Thursday. Tell me tell me how minor minor is, and then I'll tell you whether or not I, I'm starting to get nervous. Yeah, the, the thing with Rass is interesting to me because everyone is so quick to crucify the guy when he misses a game or two. At the same time, I don't want him playing at less than 100% because we clearly have seen this past week of play from him. It, it hasn't been his best. So take him off. Hudobin's been fine. I thought Hudobin was great in terms of keeping that game tied up late, especially when, the, when they Absolutely. tied it up. And So it's one of those things where I'm, I'm okay with this for right now. But, yeah, if this is a lingering thing where he has to battle through it, like last year he played the entire playoffs with that, with that torn groin apparently. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to see that again I, I, because that greatly changes sort of the ceiling of this team, I, I would find. So it's one of those things where, you know, the McAvoy thing is scary. When it happened, I everyone was quick to say it was a slash from Gallagher, and you see the replay, and it, it, it wasn't. It, just, it looked like he just got tripped up by a stick or something. I thought it was like a non-contact injury, and I immediately thought, worst-case scenario, hadn't seen Marco Sturm back in 2010 in the playoffs uh, against Philly game one. I went, that's a torn ACL. And that's just me being a, a terrified, nervous ninny, but... I really thought that, and now seeing this, I'm like, oh, now, now I'm, I'm actually worried that it's something along those lines, some sort of tear, a pull, something that's going to put him on the shelf for four to five weeks, which would be actually devastating to this team's chances, I think, come postseason time. Well, if he can't play, it would. Uh, like I said, he's their second-best defenseman, and I know that there are people in this town who say he's their best defenseman. I'm not one of them. Uh, I think he's going to be their best defenseman, and it's sooner rather than later, but I don't think it's now. Their best defenseman is the guy I say I saw play a three-minute and three-minute shift, play an entire penalty kill, stayed out for a minute three after that, made a great stick save along the goal line when the puck got behind uh, his goaltender, and then fought Alex, Alexiak to a draw, in my opinion, a guy who's yeah. 15 years younger, who is six foot five, 250 pounds, and Chara, I actually think he won, but if you don't, that's fine. It was at least a draw. And by the way, Alexiak was not at the end of a three-minute shift like Chara was. That's your best defenseman. You could almost see Chara be like, when, when he tried engaging in the fight, Chara looked at him like, now? Really? Yeah, like, oh, and then Chara did it. And then after the fight, Chara just kind of stands there. And you can see him, he's just like heavily breathing, but he's not like slumping or anything like that. It's like, this dude is a monster. He's just standing there. He's like, he's looking out in the crowd like, yeah, I just fought after three, and a, three, and a, three minutes plus of a shift. I'm not Why sure not? how many people in the, in the building realized we keep track of that stuff, and, yeah. and we set it on the post-game show. I'm not sure people understood what they had just witnessed. And, and people who cover the game and follow the game will tell you, that shouldn't be possible. No. First of all, you shouldn't be able to play a three-minute and three-second shift, period. But to then fight at the end of that shift? No way. And against the league's best power play as well. I can't even discount yeah. that as well. I mean, I think that was one of the things. I think you noted it. I saw Fluto had it, and I think I, I tweeted out as well. Like, it kind of flew under everyone's radar because I think they're just so used to Char being out I there. Just, yeah, I don't think I – mean, people don't keep track of ice time, obviously, no, yeah. if they're sitting in the arena. Uh, we do because this stuff matters to us, and, and Billy and Barry and I are all going – has he left the ice yet? Yeah. No. And then we're, we're going back and seeing when the shift started and when it ended. And that's when we, we came up with the 303. And it was like, that shouldn't be possible. No human being should be able to do what he just did. It's why I, I made the comment on the air the day after, you know, here on, on the show with Rich. What Tom Brady does mentally is much greater than Zdeno Chara. I'm talking about the comparison of the 40-year-old athletes. Here. Of course. 
what Zdeno Chara does physically is much more impressive than what Tom Brady does. Uh, in this day and age, with the protection of the quarterback, and I'm not taking away, he takes hits, and I understand all that. Uh, what the 40-year-old defenseman is doing from a physical standpoint is more impressive than what the 40-year-old quarterback is doing. What the 40-year-old quarterback is doing is much more impressive mentally than what the defenseman has to do. Especially in a, in a league that's become increasingly younger and faster. I think that's a big thing as well. We talk about McDavid's of the world, the Goudreau's of the world. Everyone is getting younger and faster, it seems, yep. in this league. So to be 40 years old, six foot nine, never quite the, you know, the quickest skater, if you will, just to keep up with it's the a lot pace. quicker this year, though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This plant-based diet. I mean, definitely, it's, I can't dispute well, it's it anymore. It's not just the diet. You know, he, he, it's reco- under, rest he, and recovery, he, though. he undertook a complete change in his training program over last summer. He knew he had to get quicker. He, he really undertook training to make his feet quicker, make his strides better. Uh, he worked with a different skating coach. He did a lot of things to prepare himself to be a better player this year, and he is. It's crazy. Uh, both he and Kevin Miller have taken have massive strides in their terms See, of their Kevin skill. Kevin Miller is sneaky good. He is. Like, like people don't understand, wow, that, that, that seems really fast for him. He can get. And then every once in a while, he'll unleash that shot of his, and they'll go, whoa, where did that come from? He's, he's like fly under the radar, sneaky good. In fact, as I look at this defense, one of the things that breaks my heart is I don't think there's a spot for Adam McQuaid when everybody's healthy. No, there's not. And it kills me. Adam McQuaid is one of my favorite Bruins ever. I can tell. And, and I, I love this guy. I love the, the passion he brings. I love how he sells his body out every single shift. He'll block every shot. He'll fight for every teammate. He'll do anything and everything to help this team win. But if I look at the defensemen who are on the roster right now, my fear is there may not be a spot for Adam McQuaid in that normal six-man rotation. Yeah, and then the McAvoy injury happens, and what does everyone say? Oh, you, you put Grizzly back in there. And it's like, wow, okay, you're still not putting McQuaid back in. So, so it's one of those things. I mean, that comes down to personal preference, obviously. But if you're, if you're trying to replace a McAvoy, you're more likely to go with the Grizzly than you are a McQuaid. And, and that just speaks to the style that they run and, and the roles they play. But it is tough when you're watching a guy like McQuaid have to be the good soldier. And he, by all accounts, he has been. He's not complaining. He understands the situation. He's a pro. Yeah. And he, it's is, just, he is a pro's pro. But it's just it's, it's upsetting if you Ask his teammates what they think of him. Yeah. But it is a real thing because this team, I, this is the one question mark I have with this team is that they're second pairing. I don't know if they have a, a solidified one-two there on that middle pairing that is going to be the difference come or make the difference come playoff time when they're on the road. And they can't put Chara against these top-line players all game. Although they, they do a real good job of that, though. I give Cassidy credit, although they do get caught for too many men on the ice way too many times. Uh, it, it's, it's inexcusable on the road. It is absolutely unfathomable at home. Yeah. You can't get too many men on the ice on home ice. And, and I'm sorry, that is a brain fart of epic proportions on behalf of both the coaches and the players. It's got to be so simple. You've got that guy. And you don't go till he gets here. I mean, stop with this crap. It pisses me off that they get so many too many men on the ice penalties because that is self-inflicted wounds. We saw this in the playoffs last year, too. It felt like there was yeah. a few of those and a few uh, – Farts made delay a game penalties last year in the, in the postseason as well. They were trying to rim it off the glass and it would go into the stands. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that automatic delay of game penalty rule anyway, but I, I can forgive that one. Yeah. Too many men on the ice. I'm sorry. There, there are no circumstances in which I forgive that one. On the road, it's one thing. You know, you're trying to, you don't get last change. You're trying to match up guys. So, okay, as soon as the, they drop the puck, we're going to switch our defense pair. 
Sorry, no excuses at home. You can't take a delay of game penalty. It was a pretty obvious one, too. Oh. It, it was like, oh, how, I noticed it from up here. How do you not notice that? What's going on there? So, so, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll they see. Do they do a lot of do. things really well. That's one little chink in the armor that just drives me crazy. I can tell. This is Adam McQuaid sitting, or like, this is what's going yeah. to drive you to the edge. Well, it's just, I, I, I love McQuaid's game so much, and it makes me sad. Uh, the little bit I've seen of Nick Holden's game, you know, there's your seventh defenseman, if everybody's healthy. Underrated offensive game, I, yeah. I think, a little bit, in terms of what he, what he can do. I agree. We will be back with more Nick Holden talk and everything after this brief message from Wise Snacks. Before the ice freezes and the ref drops the puck, make the wise choice at your local grocer's aisle this hockey season and pick up your favorite Wise Snacks products. Made with high-quality ingredients packed with delicious flavor, Wise Snacks is that clutch score for your taste buds. Let's go, hockey fans. Hop over the boards and get your feet moving. Go top shelf this season and pick up your favorite-tasting Wise Snacks products as your team continues its quest towards the cup. So, so talking about these deadline additions, I mean, I'm, I'm already in love with them. I, I know we've <laughs> talked about it a little bit here. Rick Nash, I mean, this guy is such a fit, and it makes me feel like the biggest bozo in the world, Dale, for trying to t- sell you on Ryan Spooner, the top six winger. And I will come out here and By I will By the way, and that. he's played great in New York. He has. I, I mean, I, I don't know that it'll continue, but good for him. I'm happy for him. I don't root against him. Uh, Rick Nash is a whole lot better as a top six forward. Oh. I, you know, I, I think that I knew how good he was in terms of puck possession. I mean, you only have to watch the games to know that he's, a, he's an impossible guy to get the puck away from. He's so big and so strong, and he's got that long reach. I, I think I underrated his penalty-killing game, and I knew that the Rangers used him a lot as a penalty killer, but, you know, when you only see him four times a year or something, you, you don't get a real grasp of it. Um, his shot is so quick. The puck is on and off his stick so much faster than what I, I even remember. Uh, that's the thing that's jumped out at me. And I said this at the time of the acquisition. David Krejci, when he's been at his best with the Bruins, is when he's had a big power shoot-first wing, whether it was Nathan Horton or Milan Lucic or both. Uh, when, whenever he had that kind of guy on his wing is when he's been at his best. He looks totally re-energized by the acquisition of Nash. And I think being underplayed in all this is the chemistry that's developed between Jake DeBrusque and Rick Nash. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty obvious to me that DeBrusque has also kind of been re-energized, got benched for a little bit on, on the game on Saturday and came back and scored a huge power play goal late to tie it. Uh, but when that group is healthy, I think Krejci may be nursing something right now. I don't know what. I think so, yeah. But I get the feeling that he is. But that line, man, that's a box office second line. If you've got Krejci between DeBrusque and Rick Nash, that is a bitch for the other team to play against. Oh, it's impossible because I think you have three guys that can score from all over the ice. I think we've seen that. Nash is one of these unique players that every time I watch him and every time the puck is on his stick, I legitimately think he's going to score a goal. Mm -hmm. And and they haven't had that in a very long time. I think the last guy that I felt that with was a Ginla in his 2013-2014 season where he had tremendous luck with the puck. Everything was going in for him. You know, with Nash, though, every time I watch him, I'm like, this guy is in a legit scoring opportunity right now. It's you wild. At, you look at the scoring chances that Nash has put up in his very brief Bruins tenure. Look at his shot attempts. Look at his shots on goal. I mean, he's doing amazing things at the offensive end. 
And oh, by the way, he's better in his own defensive end than I gave him credit for. Absolutely, and, and he's a legitimate two hundred foot player. Speaking to your point about the scoring chances, I looked this up yesterday. At five on five, that line. This is according to one of those fancy websites, uh, Natural Stat Trick, I think, had this. They've played thirty five minutes together. The DeBrus, uh Krejci Nash line. They have twenty seven scoring chances for and just eight against. Mm. I mean, that's what that's what the Bergeron line does. So if you have two lines that can do that on a consistent basis. That is, you can't stop that. Well, it means the shutdown line or the, or the shutdown defense pair for the other team has got to pick their poison. And, okay, we're going to take the Bergeron line out. Well, okay, fine. Krejci's happy to have you do that. Uh, okay, we're going to take the Krejci line out. Well, then Pasternak's going to start dancing. So it, it's a dilemma for the other team, and it's a dilemma that the Bruins, I think, can exploit. Am I crazy for already saying I want to re-sign this guy? No, no, you're not crazy. And, and Don Sweeney even hinted. You know, that, you know, we'll see what happens, but, you know, maybe this won't just be a, a you know, short-term rental. Uh, he certainly fits. Now, I, he doesn't fit at the price tag that he's got. That's the problem. And that's going to be the issue here. Um, you know, just because, and fans say this all the time, well, he'll take, a, he'll take a hometown discount to play for the Bruins. Why should he? You have a very finite amount of time you can do what you do and bank what you can bank. Uh, you know, there are certainly players who take less than they can get but I don't necessarily think an unrestricted free agent is a guy who should be doing that. Yeah, and I think the big, I wish he would, but I don't think he should. The big thing I think it, it will it will be telling in the postseason if they win the Stanley Cup. Well, that's different. You know, if that happens, then he's everybody gone. loves everybody. Yeah. No, no, no. I think you got a much better chance of keeping him. Really? Oh yeah, absolutely. See, see I would say if you, everybody loves everybody, then if oh, you it's, lost, hey, we did this. You know, we got a chance to do this again. <laughs> I think if you lost in the conference finals per se, I think I think he would, I think he would. Uh, really entertain the idea of coming back because you were so close. I think that's a real thing versus if you lose in the first, second round, he's going to say, screw this, I'm going to L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, one of these teams where I know I can have a pretty good shot at, at winning and be on a team that likes the heavier players like myself. You know, I think that that's something. But I think, I wonder, I just I just wonder because I think that if you can get him to a contract kind of, someone, someone on Twitter said this to me, a contract similar to one that Eric Stahl had, I would do that nine times out of ten. I think it's three years, and I think 3.5 per or something like oh, that. In a heartbeat. I don't yeah. think he'd take that. That's the only problem. I mean, it, he has to sort of wrestle with the idea, okay, do I like where I am right now, or do I want to think? Do I want to actually kind of see myself winning with this group? Yeah. And the other thing for them is, do they have the room with the prospects? I, I would argue that you make room for a guy like Rick Nash. If he continues to play like this, you deal with it. Uh, you, you know, if you have to move a guy, one of these younger guys knocking at the door, you include him in a trade for to address your, your defense in the offseason. Not a great free agent market there either, I would say. So it's one of these situations where, you know, you have to kind of weigh it out. But I, but listen, I, I would keep this guy long-term if he continues to play like this because Krejci has not looked this good in a very long time. And I can't see that just magically redeveloping with one of these kids. As much as I love the prospect pool, I cannot see Krejci playing as good as he's playing right now. If you say, okay, Krejci next to your line is DeBrusque, you, and Donato. And I love Ryan Donato, but I just think there's a mental aspect of it with David Krejci that is definitely worth noting. I think Rick Nash is the kind of winger that David Krejci is best with. And he was best when he was with Lucic. He was best when he was with Horton. That's the kind of player that gets the most out of Krejci. And that's why Rick Nash would be perfect to stay here. And he's a, he's a, he's a better Louis Erickson. You know, that two-way game we talk about. I hate to say it, but in hindsight, that wouldn't be that hard. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we all wanted Louis Erickson to be really, really good, and he was sort of good, but he was never really, really good. There's always you always wanted a little bit more because I always like. thought there was more there to give. Yeah, and he just didn't give it. Yeah, it's been he's been bad in Vancouver too. That has been a, and now hurt a train wreck. Yeah, he's done for the year with a yeah. broken rib. I mean, 
that's one of those things. You can say what you want about the Bacchus signing and his fit in Boston, but if you're weighing them out, the Bacchus one is winning right now. Sure. It, it absolutely has to be. So um, Brian Gianta is another guy that I was curious about your opinion on. I didn't think this was going to happen. He was a hard pass for me when I first heard this. I said, oh, I don't want this player at all. I thought he was bad in the Olympics. I didn't see the fit. I'm wrong. Again, I'm always wrong about this team, it seems. I don't think he was bad in the Olympics. I think Team USA was bad in the Olympics. That's probably a good point. I mean, he was the captain of the team, but I don't think he was necessarily bad. I, I was joking around with Jaffe the other night. I said, he gets over here and he starts playing for the Bruins, and he's thinking, wow, this ice is really small, isn't it? <laughs> and, whoa, these guys are really fast here, aren't they? He is such a savvy veteran player, and he really is a—he can be a power play specialist kind of guy. Uh, the the guy that Gianta reminds me most of, the acquisition of Gianta reminds me of Mark Recchi. Yeah, you know the that. guy who's won a cup, knows what to do, has been captain in Montreal, has been captain, you know, at, at several different places, going back to his days at BC. He's a veteran, savvy leader. He he fits seamlessly into the Bruins dressing room. He knew exactly what to say and what not to say and, and how to kind of let that fall where it does. And actually, if you think about all of the guys, Holden, Wingles, Nash, Gianta, all savvy veteran guys who knew, you know, don't go in there and try to make a big splash. Go in there and try to be a part of what they've got. They've got a real good thing going here. And I've heard all four guys say, you know, they've got a really good team here. i just got to figure out how I can fit in. And they've been smart about that. Gianta brings a little something. And uh, I, I actually kind of liked the line the other night with Wingles and Bacchus and Gianta. It's a good line. I like that line. And, you know, I understand. I don't want to sit, guys. He was playing because DeBrusque was a healthy scratch, per- the perfect place to stick him in there. I don't want to sit DeBrusque for any length of time. No. But you're going to have guys go down. You know, you're going to have guys get dinged up, get banged up. You know, as soon as all these guys arrive, they get the word that Bergeron is out. So immediately you've got a need. Wingles fits seamlessly in. You know, when they stuck him in, game one, scores a huge goal, had a great assist on a Riley Nash goal. Uh, I like everything these guys have brought, and yet if you ask most hockey fans out there, the only one of the four they thought anything about was Rick Nash. It's true. Now, he's the best of the bunch, and, you know, he is clearly the, the jewel that you were building around. But Don Sweeney was smart enough to say, you know what, we need a couple of other things too. We need a depth defenseman, but a guy who can contribute offensively and play on the power play if we need him to. And, and I think he paid a very appropriate price to get Nick Holden in here. Wingles is the name that probably shocked people the most. And it was a guy that Sweeney really targeted uh, close to the trade deadline. And, and once he got Chicago to agree to the fifth round draft pick uh, price tag, hell, I'd do that deal again tomorrow. He's exactly the kind of thing you need. And in the case of Gianta, you know, I think Gianta was close to coming here a year ago. And it just wasn't quite right for his family. You know, he had this Olympic thing in the back of his head. He wanted an opportunity to play on an Olympic team. Uh, As it turns out, captain an Olympic team. Uh, But he had thought about it a a year ago here. And and I think that there was real mutual interest back and forth. So this was an easy one. You know, he finishes the Olympics – Sweeney reaches out, and he's, yeah, heck yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd want to do that. And uh, I, I, my, my former partner in the afternoon, Michael Holly, loves Brian Gianta. And I noticed he actually, this. And he said on the air, he said, I promise you he's going to win a Stanley Cup playoff game for you. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he does. Well, that's the thing, right? You, you see Danton Heinen jumps back in the lineup on Saturday, and I, and I didn't walk away from that game saying that Heinen has proved, has proved himself as worthy of, of earning a spot if this is game one today because I thought Wingles— you know, he fits a little, a little bit more of what they want to do in terms of um, 
his, the areas of the ice that he can play. He takes face-offs. He can play center. He can play left or right. You know, so I do wonder here if this competition is going to push some of these younger players out of the mix. And it, well, I don't or, want that. Or just but, push some of these younger players. Yes, yeah. Even if it's not out of the mix, if it pushes some of the younger players, if at this stage of the season, without these moves, they're saying, well, this is, this is the team. This is the lineup. You know, you're not thinking this consciously. But, you know, how hard do you push when basically there isn't another option, you know, to replace you in the lineup? Well, now there are options. Yeah, at and, every position, it seems. And, 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 you know, certainly there are certain guys who aren't going to be replaced, and we know who they are. But there are some guys who could be replaced. And, and I think we're seeing it. You know, Brandon Carlo gets a little injection of enthusiasm because he sees a legitimate candidate back on defense there. At one point, they had nine defensemen here, and he's thinking, you know, he's doing the math. Uh, you know, these guys up front, whether it was Heinen or DeBrusque, uh, you, know, you know, some of those guys on the fourth line, and I love the fourth line. How about Saturday night, one goal lead, 57 seconds left in the third, and Bruce has got the fourth line on the ice for a draw in the defensive zone. Think about that for a minute. Yeah, impossible. The fourth line. And, you know, at the time, Andrew Raycroft, who was working the game with me on Nesson, said, if you've got a fourth line that you feel that confident in, that makes you a very tough team to beat. I mean, he uses them in every situation. He uses them against any matchup. He has no problems at all putting them out there against the Sidney Crosby line. Uh, he has no problems at all, as he did Saturday night, putting them out there in the, in the closing minute of a one-goal game with the draw in your defensive end. I mean, it's, it's amazing what Bruce Cassidy has gotten out of those three guys. One of the things that you mentioned, Brandon Carlo, one of the things I love is that on, on the first period of... of Thursday's game against the Penguins, Sidney Crosby is just cross-checking the holy hell out of him. Yeah, and he punched him in the face. And Yeah, and, and, and I'm like, man, I want to see Carlo kind of show something here. And I think it was, it was Saturday. Uh, Andrew Shaw, I want to say it was, or, or somebody on the Canadians tried doing the same thing to him. Carlo kind of snapped and gave him one back, and I was like, that's what I want to see. I want to see Carlo take this a little bit more seriously. And not that he doesn't, but... Show his physicality. Show your size. You're six foot five. You should be more of a monster than you are. I liked him finally showing some pushback, and that's that showed to me that this competition, if you will, is starting to get to him being like, I got to do more than what I'm what I have been this yeah, year. Yeah, I wanted him to even respond against Crosby too, because yes. Crosby gave him a couple of shots right in the face, right down. It was right in front of where our studio is, uh, that you know Bruins net, right behind the net there. Uh, I mean, Crosby would have flopped on the ice and cried for a call and all that stuff. Crosby did nothing in that game. Oh, he, he was vanished. invisible. Which is crazy, because Bergeron wasn't playing, by the way. Bergeron wasn't playing, but Chara was. Yeah. Uh, Phil Kessel hates to see Zidane Chara. I don't think Sidney Crosby loves it either. Uh, but I, I, I wanted to see Carlo do it against Crosby. Go do it against the best player in the game. No, I'm not going to take that shit from you. Yeah. Give him a shot in the back of the leg or something. But he did come back and do it on Saturday, and good for him. Going, uh, finishing up here, Wise player, Wise Snacks Player of the Week. Who do you got? We all know mine, but who do you got? <laughs> what was it, Ryan Spooner for you? Uh, no, no, but he's, he's playing well, like you said. I, I, he's playing very well, and I'm happy for him. Um, I hadn't even thought about it, so you, you sort of hit me with this out of the blue. I'll give you a weird one. Okay. Tori Krug. Ooh, I like it. Uh, when we picked our player of the game on Saturday night, I picked Krug. And he wasn't even one of the three stars in the building, I don't think. No. He assisted on the power play goal by DeBrusque that, that tied it. He assisted on the Marchand goal in overtime that won it. He had 10 shots on goal Saturday night. It's wild. 10 shots on goal. That's what I want to see Tory Krug doing. Get that puck to the net. Good things can happen from it. They did happen from it. 
Uh, I'll, I'll pick a, an out-of-the-box selection with Tory Krug. Yeah, mine is Rick Nash. The, no kidding. Get out the of here. Extended, the three-year extension for Rick Nash <laughs> that I have already written out and I'm sending to Don Sweeney right now. Uh, no, this player has been amazing. I think he scores from all over the ice. He's, like you've, like you've talked about, he's revitalized two players that the Bruins need in the postseason, I think. You know, he is the guy that I, has been better than I thought possible. And, and listen, and it's one of these situations where I just, I can't believe what I'm watching. It, it is one of these things where I, I'm very surprised I'm seeing Rick Nash, the Boston Bruin. You know, like, I remember reading about Rick Nash in the paper when he first came onto the scene and being like, wow, this player seems interesting, you know. But here we are, you know, 15 years later, whatever it is. He's now a Bruin, and he's pretty damn good. So he's my guy. Uh, I think he has to be, really, for me. I can't see anyone else. I, I love what DeBrus did, but, I mean, Nash's every game has been even better than the one before. So pretty remarkable that he's here and that he's producing this quickly. With this few, these few practices he's had with the Bruins, it's pretty wild, in my opinion. So he gets my nod. Uh, you know what we'll do next week? What's that? We will run through the six legitimate candidates for the seventh player award. Oh, I love this. I can give you all six legitimate. I could vote for any one of these six. Yes. And I wouldn't have a problem. Yeah. And none of them, by the way, are named Pasternak or McAvoy. Well, that's the thing, right? This award has changed. It well, used, it it used to be real. No, it hasn't changed. The voting fans has changed, Fans stopped getting it right. They yes. used to get it right. And I think Bruins fans are really smart. But then it became a popularity contest. Mm-hmm. And, and there have been times when it's a popular... Who's my favorite player? That's not what this award is. It's the player who's performed above and beyond expectations. You can't win it twice. The minute you win it once, your expectations go up. This is true. How can you win it a second <laughs> time? And there have been a couple of guys who have won it more than once, the most recent being Pasternak. Nobody better win this damn thing three times. But we'll talk about that next week. Absolutely. Should have been Domo last year, by the way. Should have been Dominic Moore. I forget who it was last year. Was it Pasternak last year again? Yep. That's crazy. That was crazy second. Should have been Carlo or Dominic Moore, and it wasn't. But we'll get into that next week. Dale, as always, thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next week. You got it.